man, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so, <sighs> I'm in a green pasture. Can you notice our green pastures? I'm wearing my green pasture shirt today. Is that right? You like that? You like that? So um, about a year ago, almost to this very day, for the first time in my life, I heard what I could only describe to you as the audible voice of God. I was walking through the transit terminal of Doha International Airport. I don't know if you've ever been to Doha International Airport. It's one of the biggest airports in the world. And the transit lounge and the transit hall there is massive. And there are thousands of people that congregate into that place every day that are passing through Doha on their way to anywhere in the world that you could imagine. And I was there with an 11-hour layover. The Vine had booked my flight to Jordan the cheapest way possible in the name of Jesus. I had an 11-hour layover in Jordan. Praise God. And as I'm at the beginning of my 11-hour layover, I'm walking through one of the busiest parts of Doha International Airport. And as I'm walking down this like corridor where thousands of other people are, a Middle Eastern man walks right past me, almost brushes my shoulder. We were pretty hemmed in and almost brushes my shoulder and walks past me. And as he does, I hear the audible voice of God, follow him, follow him. It's hard to describe it to you, but it sounded like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't sound like that. I don't know really how it sounded, but it was the first time in my life where I it almost like I was like something like spoke to me or it was like this audible voice. And because it was so real, I immediately found myself following after the guy. And I literally like turned around and started following after him, not really knowing why I was following after him, but I knew that I'd been commanded to change my direction and follow him. So I started walking about 10 feet behind him. And after about like maybe 20 yards or so, I was like feeling really weird about it, right? Like, what am I doing following this guy? Like, who is he? I have no idea who he is. I have no idea why God wants me to follow him, but I'm following him. And then I'm thinking like, does he know that I'm following him? Because that would be weird, right? Like, this is the Middle East. Maybe I'm about to get arrested. Like, what happens when you follow random people? So I'm like following him, and he kind of walks through this part of the airport, and then he goes into the side. Now, at the side of the transit hall in Doha, they have all these rooms, and these rooms have like little lounge chairs in them where people can go and sleep for a few hours. And he walks into one of these rooms. There's probably about 30 or 40 of, of the chairs in the room, and he sits down on this chair. And I find myself walking into the room and then very nonchalantly sort of, you're going to be him, sort of sitting down right next to him like this, you know, like, <laughs> like kind of going like, why am I here, right? As I sit down, he leans forward and he starts to just weep. He starts to sob his eyes out. Now, I've spent enough time in the Middle East to understand the culture there, and that's unusual in that Middle Eastern culture. To be honest, it's unusual in the majority of cultures. Well, particularly in that culture where men, a public display of emotion like that is not necessarily looked upon as a good thing. But he just leans forward, head in his hand, just weeping. And immediately past the mode of Andrew takes over, right? 
And I've been in this scenario a number of times. This was a bit of a weird one, I admit, like following this guy, but I've been in this scenario a number of times. So, so I just kind of like, again, you're him and I'm, I'm me, right? So you're sobbing. Go and sob. No, 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 sit, sit, sit. <laughs> Head in hand, cry, cry. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. So I'm there. <laughs> you're never going to sit in the front row ever again, never. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is anybody else. All right. So, so you're, you're crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I lean forward, and I go like this. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, is there anything I can do to help? Right? Thank you. So he turns to me, and he points at his mouth like this, basically saying, I don't speak English. So I kind of like smile and I point to my mouth, basically saying I don't really speak English. I, no, like I don't speak Arabic is what I was trying to say to him, right? I don't really speak Arabic. And he kind of nodded and, and he looked kind of embarrassed, as you can imagine, right? But I was like, I, I, I can't communicate to this man, but I can be present with him. So I kind of just sat there and I leaned towards him again and I kind of put my hands like this in my lap, like very pastoral, right? <laughs> and I kind of like this, hmm smiled at him, you know, like trying to communicate, I'm here, right? Well, he kind of wipes his eyes, and I think he's feeling a little embarrassed, so he gets out his mobile phone, and he flips through it, and he shows me what I, what I assume was a, a picture of his family, beautiful family, massive, large family, beautiful family. And so I, like, got my phone out, you know, and scrolled and showed a picture of my dog. No, I showed my wife and daughter, don't I? Um, <laughs> I showed a picture of my family as well. And he, was, and he had this face, like it was classic. He had this face like, wow, that's your family? Like, you did well. You know, like, he was like, you managed that? You know, like, good job, right? So he was kind of looking at me like that, and I was, like, sort of smiling family, you know. Uh, and then he kind of, like, put his phone away, and then he stood up, and he just walked away. And that was it. That was the whole interaction. I, I have no idea to this day who that man was. I have no idea what was going on in his life. But I do know this. I do know that God loved that man so much. That God cared for that man so much. That he would disrupt my just normal day, 11 hour layover in Doha, trying to be just a tourist. And, and, and change me into that pastor who could then follow him in a moment where his emotions were obviously just sort of built up inside of him, and those emotions just suddenly come out, and I can sit there with him, and I realized what was taking place. Even though I could not communicate to him, here's what was happening. I was a non-anxious presence amid the chaos of this man's world. Just in that moment of time, a non-anxious presence in his life. You need to know that God desires to take you in and out of places of rest so that you would then become a place of rest for others. That's what this series is all about. It's what actually Psalm 23 is all about. As I said last week, it's not just a psalm to make us feel good about ourselves, to chill out with God, a, a psalm for us to feel like we can relax. The psalm is actually to create in us a place of rest, a place of life, a place of restoration with God so that we can then be that to others in this world who are freaking out, who, are, who can't handle it. And we are there with them in the midst of their chaos, communicating something of the peace, the shalom, the restoration that God has given us. And God's heart for you, 
is to lead you in and out of those places of rest so you would be the embodied rest of God for others. Are you with me, church? It's this idea of God leading his people into rest that David shifts to after his opening verse, his opening verse of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And then he immediately starts talking about leadership, about how a shepherd leads his people. Let me read this to you in verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness or right paths for his namesake. Just a short couple of verses, but this is David at his best. This is David writing a psalm. Remember, psalms were poems. He's writing a poem like a song. And in his writing, he's trying to express some beautiful imagery to help us to understand the rest and the peace that God provides, not only for ourselves, but for all of his creation. And he's also trying to teach some deep theological truths through this poetic imagery. Now, if you are to read this in the Hebrew, you actually get a much better sense of the poetic form and structure that David's trying to create. In fact, his whole argument in these two verses is based around a specific poetic structure. Um, in the Hebrew, he basically goes, here's an action of God, here's a place that God takes us to, and here's the result. Let me actually show you this structure here. This is the structure uh, of Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. Here's a few things I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see the right-hand column, the result. This is what God is doing in you. This is what David is trying to communicate to his people as he writes this, that God's desire is to bring you into a place of rest, a place of peace, the shalom of God in you that would bring restoration change and transform you so that you're not like you were before, but you're now a new person, a new human being with a level of deep rest and peace that you've never had before. Why? So that God has glory on the earth. So that God gets glory. He doesn't want you just to be at rest so that you can enjoy yourself. This is not about being on Bali with a pina colada. This is about you becoming the person Christ wants you to be in the craziness of the world around you. This is you being a restful presence for God's glory. And David's saying that's what God wants. That's what he's constantly trying to bring into our lives. How does he do it? Well, first of all, he has to bring us into certain experiences that will create in us the result of the rest and peace. Are you following this? So there are places that he takes us to. Now, David metaphorically, poetically describes these places as green pastures, quiet waters, right paths. And what he's saying is, if you do not go through these places, you will not experience the rest that God wants you to have. You following the argument? So in order to go into those places, he then says at the start, there is an action. There's something God does to bring us into those places to create the rest. He makes us, leads us, and guides us to certain experiences. So those experiences transform us and create the result, the fruit of rest and peace that is seen publicly so God gets the glory. Are you following this? This is David's heart for this part of the psalm. If I was to say it simply, this is what David's saying. If you truly want to experience and know his rest, then you need to allow yourself to experience the one thing that God desires to do the most in you, and that is lead you. Lead you. 
If you truly want to know rest, you have to be willing to allow God to lead you. Lead you into places that will do its work in you to create that rest. And this is a challenge because David's saying, there's a prerogative here. And the prerogative is God's leadership of your life. You remember last week when we looked at the, 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 the opening of the psalm where we said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And we said, we can flip that around and say it in reverse. In other words, we can say, I have wants, therefore the Lord is not quite my shepherd. Well, in the same way, you can flip this around as well. And really what David's saying is this, if you do not feel rest, if there is some anxiety in you, if you're not in a place of rest, then there's elements in your life that are not submitted to the leadership of God. Are you following me? Now, now this is what he's trying to lay out to us, and this is a great challenge. Because if you're anything like me, we struggle at times to really allow God to lead us. Maybe it's just me here. But I think many of us struggle to know what it is to really be led by God. And, and there are maybe some areas of our lives that we think are being led by God. And there are other areas of our lives where we know we are not definitely being led by God. And then there are some areas of our lives where we do not want God to lead us. And, and we're always in this structure of, I think, struggling to really, truly give ourselves over to be led by God. I want to offer today some reasons why I think that's the case. I, I want to say this. I think part of the reason why you struggle to allow God to fully lead your life is because you actually have a faulty perception of what it means for God to lead your life. Let me unpack that by saying this. I think for many of us, we, the model that we work of when we think about God leading our lives is kind of like the woman that is in Google Maps. We think God is like that woman with the really nice English accent or the really nice American accent. And we put in a destination into Google Maps and the woman shows up and says, turn left, gives us a suggestion. And we think, oh, well, if we go there, then we're going to go on this right direction where we want to go. And we've kind of made God the GPS of our lives. We kind of think God's role in our lives is to come along and offer some suggestions for us in order that we might go on the right kind of path. So we think that God is involved in our lives, and he's like, oh, turn left here. Oh, no, you didn't turn left. You turned right. Don't worry. That's okay. Rerouting. <laughs> We're going to get you back on the right path. Don't worry. It's perfectly fine. Oh, no, you went left again. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry. Going to turn you right here. Turn no, you didn't go right again, you know? And we think God's role in our lives to be led by him is like we can just kind of expect he's going to be. Let, let me put it as bluntly as I can. You need to stop thinking that God is the GPS of your life. You need to stop thinking that. That's not the way God leads us. God doesn't lead us that way. When you use a GPS, you put in your destination, you push start, you hope that a nice straight path comes, and if you get off that path, you'll just be nudged back onto the right path. God is not interested in you coming up with what you think are the right destinations in life. He's not interested in you typing in what you think is the right place to go. He doesn't even think that you know where the green pastures are for your life. He knows. And so he's not there just to kind of, you know, help you get where you want to go in your life. No, you don't have a GPS. You have a shepherd. It's a very different way of leading. It's not a nudging. It's a direct leading. 
And the Bible is very clear to us. When we, when we think about God like a GPS, when we, we think we actually know the right way to go, essentially we haven't let God lead in our lives. We're still leading our lives, and we're asking God to coach us along the way. Right. I won't ask you to put your hand up if that's how you think about your relationship with God, because I know I do sometimes like that. The Bible is very clear. We actually don't know the way. I'm just going to burst some bubbles here. (laughs) You don't know the way. You don't know the best way for your life. And sure, God's given you a brain. He's given you gifts, and he's given you talents. He's given you the ability to discern. We partner with God in many ways. But ultimately, you don't know where the green pastures are that he wants to lead you to so that you would know the rest in order to be able to give him glory. That's his job. In fact, Proverbs is very blunt with this. Let me go to Proverbs chapter 14. I just want to read one uh, proverb here. It says this. It says, there is a way that seems right to Andrew, but in the end, it leads to death. Or submit your name. There is a way that seems right to us, but actually, ultimately, it just leads us to a place of hurt, a place of pain, a place of death. One of... uh, Uh, an ex-shepherd. He was a shepherd for many years, and then he uh, wrote a book about shepherding and Psalm 23. Amazing book. His name is Philip Keller. He wrote about this in this way. Let me read this to you. There is something almost terrifying about the destructive self-determination of a human being. It is inextricably interlocked with personal pride and self-assertion. We insist we know what is the best way for us, even though disastrous results may be self-evident. We think we know the way to go, but actually, even though we know that that's not going to work out good, we keep pressing into that because there's something quite painful and dark about our own pride and our own belief about our self-sufficiency. And he's saying, this is not the way to go. You need to realize that God is not interested in making suggestions about the direction of your life. He wants to lead your life. This is why when David starts to write these two verses about leadership, he starts like this. Let me read this to you. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like the right kind of language when we come to think about God's leadership in our lives, right? I don't know about you, but I'm I'm uncomfortable with being made to do anything. Like, do not make me do anything, right? The last couple of years during COVID, it's like the whole world has been like, do not tell me what to do, right? Right? You cannot make me do anything. I will do what I want. Okay, I'm in lockdown again. All right, but, but I'm going to rebel against it. You know, We don't like, there's a human nature in us. We don't like to be made. And so when David starts and he says, God makes me lie down, there's something in us that kind of rebels against that straight away. And we're kind of like, what is God saying here? I would rather this read, oh, he suggests. Oh, he offers some ideas. Oh, he, he, he kind of goes, maybe over here. Give it a go. That's what we want to hear. David goes, you know what God's like? God's not just making suggestions. He's actually giving directions. God's not just trying to offer you some advice. He's actually telling you what to do. Follow him. Oh, okay. There's something about the power of that that we need to grasp. See, see, here's the reality. Shepherds know that sheep never lie down in fields. Very rarely do they lie down. When was the last time you drove past a field of sheep and they were lying down, right? Sheep don't do that. They're up on their feet all the time. Why? Because they're flighty animals. They're afraid all the time. And shepherds will tell you that sheep need actually four things to be right in their lives in order for them to lie down. Four things. The first thing is they need to be well-fed. If they're hungry, they won't lie down. 
Number two, they need to be a free, uh, sort of free from fear. So if there's any danger around them, they're not going to lie down. Number three, because they're social animals, they need to make sure everything is right with the flock. If anybody's got any friction in the flock, they won't lie down. And fourthly, if there are any bugs or flies on them or around them, they will not lie down. These are very temperamental animals, okay? So, so, so when David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, what he's picturing here is an image of sheep already in green pastures. Already there, but they're refusing to lie down. They're in green pastures, but they're refusing to lie down because maybe one of those four things is not right in their lives. Who of you in this room knows that you can be in one of the most relaxed places in the world? You could be in a spa, but if you're having an argument with your spouse, you are not relaxed. Anyone else here? Again, just me. All right. I can't tell you the number of holidays I've had where I've been in some incredible beach resort some of the most beautiful places. And just because somebody cut in front of me in the line of the buffet at breakfast, I cannot relax, right? (laughs) Are you with me? Like, what is it? Like, we can be in what we think is a green pasture, but we are refusing to lie down because there's stress in us. There's stuff going on in us. We're, we're still overwhelmed. We don't know how to handle life, and there's things taking place. And so we might actually be in a place that is designed to give us rest, but we're not lying down. And so David says, he makes me lie down because he knows what's best for me. He knows the places I need to be, and he knows that I need to receive in that place. But if I'm constantly flighty, if I'm constantly looking up and looking around, if I'm not being willing to submit myself to the environment that I'm in, to recognize that I'm actually in a green pasture, I won't lie down, and God will come, and he makes me. Maybe not by forcing me, because we know that God gives us choices, but by letting us know that if we don't lie down, we're going to miss out on the very thing that's going to set us free. He brings us into places that are actually green pastures, but we refuse to lie down. Hmm. Some of you here today, you're actually in a green pasture, but you are refusing to lie down. As I was preparing this, I felt strongly that for some of us in this room, that's Hong Kong for you. Hong Kong is God's green pasture. And you're here right now. And you're refusing to lie down. Because of all the things that have happened, I get it. Because of all the stuff that has gone on. Because of all the things. And you've had lots of friends leave. And you're not sure, should I stay? Should I go? And that constant fight or flight. That constant sense of being overwhelmed. That constant sense of, is this really the city that that I thought it was? And all that's still in your head. And yet you're living here. You're here right now. God is working in this city. He's actually placed you in Hong Kong. It's a gift to you that Hong Kong could be the very green pasture. But with all the flightiness in your mind right now... You're refusing to actually be in the very place that's designed to give you rest. I mean, imagine that. Hong Kong could give you rest. Most of us need to flee out of Hong Kong to get rest. Imagine what it would be like to realize that actually I was designed to be here right now. And that actually if I just allowed him to do what he wants to do, even in the midst of me feeling the way I feel, I could still know rest. Some of you, Hong Kong is the very green pasture you know, but you are not receiving it. I want to challenge you to let go. How do we let go? Well, notice what it says here. He says this, he leads me 
beside quiet waters. He guides me in paths of righteousness. The, the language of leadership here is a Hebrew word. It's the word nahal. And nahal literally means this, to walk out in front or to take the lead. To walk out in front or to actually take the lead. Nahaling is the idea of how a shepherd leads his sheep. Shepherds do not get behind the sheep and try to push them forward, drive them forward like you might want to drive cattle. If you try to do that with sheep, the sheep just go all over the place, right? And likewise, a shepherd doesn't come up alongside of the sheep and go, hey, do you feel like walking forward today? Hey, can I help you? Please turn left, don't turn right, right? Here's how a shepherd leads his sheep. He actually stands in front of the sheep. He makes a call out to the sheep, like we saw in the video uh, last week with Abdallah making that call. And then he starts to walk forward, and the sheep come and follow him. It's a very simple image. God leads, and we follow. That's not GPS. That's not expecting God to give us some guidance in life. That's God actually being our guide. That's actually submitting ourselves to the reality that he knows more than us, that he has a destination better than us, that if he wants to bring rest and peace in our lives so that we can be a non-anxious presence in the world, then we need to be led by him to places that he wants us to be in so that we can be in that place of rest. That's us saying, okay, you've got it, not me, I'm following you. That's us submitting ourselves to the leadership of God. It is not a suggestion, it is a direction. Are you with me? Come on, church. Wake up. This is a, not a suggestion. It's the way God leads. Throughout the whole of Scripture, God leads this way. One of the most important times that God needed to lead his people was the Exodus narrative, when he's taking people out of Israel, out of Egypt, into the promised land, out of a place that no longer was to feed them to a new green pasture. How does he lead them through the desert? Scripture tells us a pillar of cloud at day and a pillar of fire at night. And guess what happened? When the pillar of cloud or fire moved, Israel packed up their camp and moved with it. When it stopped moving, they put down their camp and they waited there until it moved again. It was a situation of nahal. It would go before them, they would follow. It would stop, they would stop. It would go, they would go. If it stopped, they would stop. That's how they got for 40 years through the desert into their promised land because they learned to be obedient to the movement and the leadership of God in their lives. There is no scripture where the pillar of fire stops and comes down to Israel and says, how are you feeling today? Do you feel like going forward today? Maybe I can make some suggestions for you. You know, It's, I lead, you follow. Jesus, he says to his disciples, I'm the good shepherd. If you know my voice, you will follow me. He goes up to Matthew, who's a tax collector for many years, and he says, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew doesn't go, meh, nah, I'm not sure if I really quite want to do that. Matthew leaves everything and follows him. He says to Peter, I'll make you a fisher of men. Just come and follow me. And Peter leaves his whole livelihood behind and follows him. And we want a GPS when God just wants to lead, and he wants us to follow. He wants us to give our lives to him so that he can take us to the very places that he longs to take us to. This is the beautiful image. God leads like this. He goes before us. He prepares a path for us, and then he calls us to follow him. And he knows the places that he wants you to go to way better than you could know. And that's the beauty of following him that we get the joy of discovering the places he wants to take us to. 
Some of you in this room and online, you're happy for God to give you guidance, but you don't actually want God to be your guide. There's a difference between getting guidance and having someone who's actually your guide. And some of you need to actually turn back to him today and go, I've been treating you as an advice agent. I've been treating you like my life coach. Life coaches are not necessarily designed to tell you exactly what to do. They're just there to offer suggestions and advice to help you to be better. God's not your life coach. He's your shepherd, and he's leading you. And the question he's asking you is, are you going to follow him? Are you following me? Because if you follow me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you to places that will be unlike anything you've ever experienced. David describes these places, get this, as green pastures, quiet waters, and right paths. If you allow yourself to be led by God, he's not going to take you into places that are not safe. He's not going to take you into places that are there to, to harm you. He's taking you into places of what he describes as green pastures, quiet waters, right paths. And this is a wonderful thought. Some of us want the rest of God, but we don't want to be led to the places that will actually give us that rest. When, when David talks about green pastures, quiet waters, right paths here, Anybody who read this in Israel, who was in the desert, remember he's writing this into the Judean wilderness, they would know that there's no such thing as green pastures or quiet waters in that place. In fact, what is David talking about when he's saying God's going to lead us there like a shepherd? Because in any desert that these shepherds had ever been in, there wasn't this flourishing thing. This is why we've done this here today, because it's an ironic picture of what actually David is trying to do in the psalm. The green pastures and quiet waters are not in the Judean wilderness. They do not exist. And what, what David is doing is he's subverting that imagery. And he's saying, you think green pastures look like this. But actually, the green pasture you're in right now looks like the Judean wilderness. That in other words, God can take any circumstance, any situation, any place, and he can turn what we might think as a desert into his flourishing green pasture. And sometimes we think we know what we need for rest. Oh, if I just do this, then I'm going to be rested and I'm going to be able to flourish in life. And God's saying you need to recognize that the green pastures I bring you into oftentimes don't look like the green pastures you think they're going to look like. Some of you are in a really hard time right now. You're in a desert experience is how you would describe it. And God looks down and says, that's my green pasture for you right now that you can actually find me in the midst of what it is that you're going through right now. That this bit, this place that I've actually led you into is the very thing that's going to turn your life around. This moment and this experience, as hard as it is right now, is going to teach you the things that you need to know so that you can be a non-anxious presence before a tired and broken world. I've got you in a green pasture. Stop trying to fight the place that I've got you in and recognize that your role is to lie down. And then he says this. He says, when you do that, you will have a restoration of your soul. He says, this restores your soul. The word restore soul there in the Hebrew means to bring, be brought back. He's saying, this will bring you back. What does it bring you back to? It brings you right back to the way you were created to be in the first place. It brings you right back to the person that God wants you to be. 
It's the Genesis 1 and 2 invitation. Adam and Eve, naked and unashamed. Adam and Eve in the quietness of the night, walking with the presence of God. Adam and Eve with nothing broken in them between their relationship with God, their relationship with themselves, their relationship with others, their relationship with creation. Everything just as God intended it to be, created in a way that was to bring rest and shalom, the beautiful picture of Genesis 1 and 2. And what God's saying here through David, I restore your soul, is he's saying, I will bring you back to that place of your fullness and rest. That the imagery here is of a shepherd picking up a stray sheep that's wandered from the flock, putting it on his shoulders and walking it back into the flock, putting it back down so the sheep now can follow with the rest of the animals. This is the picture. All of us have wandered from the right path. And the the beautiful thing is when we submit our lives to Christ again, when we allow him to truly lead us, he picks us up, puts us on his shoulder, takes us back into that right path, and he says, follow me. Follow me, and I'm going to bring you into the places that will flourish you. I will restore your soul, bring you back to the way that you were always created to be. Some of you in this room, you're struggling so much because you know right now you're not the way you should be. Hear the word of God to you today. If he's your shepherd and you allow yourself to be led by him, he will pick you up on his shoulders and he will bring you back. And this is all so that his namesake would be understood. His glory would be seen. Jesus said it this way. He said, all you who are tired and weary and burdened, just ask for my guidance and shepherding. Just ask for suggestion. Now he said, for all of you who are weary and burdened, I will come to you and give you rest. No, he didn't say that. He said, if you're weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. (laughs) Hi, how are you? You're coming to me? I'm not Jesus. But you know what? That's a great example that we go to people. We go to Jesus. High five. All right. There you go. Allow yourself to go to Jesus. Follow him. Be led by him. And you will find him bringing you back and restoring your soul. Could you stand with me? I want to pray for you. And let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for you, so grateful for the way you lead us. And Father, we recognize that some of us in this room are in green pastures, but have refused to lie down. Father, would you come right now for anyone online and in this room who they recognize that that's their response today. Some of you are fighting Hong Kong in your heart. And yeah, Hong Kong may not be a perfect place. And we all know there are challenges here in this city. But I want you to know that you are here. That for all its ups and downs, God has planted you here. And he sees this place as your green pasture. Some of you need to commit again to lying down here in our city. And perhaps for some of you, that will take some repentance today to say, God, I'm sorry that I've, that I've spoken so poorly of the very place that you've led me to. And I need to submit myself again 
to your leadership. And if that means staying here, then I know that this will be the right place, the green pasture for me to know true rest, to be that non-anxious presence in a chaotic world for someone else at a later date in some other time. Lord, would you show me what it is that you have for me here in this place? Some of you, that's your prayer today. For others of you here, you know that you've been using God to get you to the destination you want to go to. You've been using God as a, as a GPS in your life. And I pray that, that if that's you, you'll hear the Holy Spirit's gentle but firm voice to you today. Just say, let me lead you. I and only I know the destination that's best for you. I know where those quiet waters are. I know what that green pasture looks like for you so that you can receive that rest. Let go, God says to you today. Let go of your ability to lead yourself. Let go of your self-reliance that ultimately will only lead to your exhaustion and allow me to lead you again. I'm a good shepherd, Jesus says. I will take you. I will pick you up and bring you back. Some of you, that's a word for you as well. Perhaps you've strayed from your relationship with God. Maybe during COVID, it was tough. Maybe being out of the church. Maybe it was difficult for you to maintain a spiritual vibrancy in your life. Totally understand that. It's been a difficult few years. I pray that you would hear the word, the voice of God saying to you today, I will restore your soul. I will bring you back to green pastures, quiet waters. And they may not look like what you think they're going to look like. It's not for you to define the green pastures. I'm going to say that again. Some of you need to hear this. It's not for you to define what the green pastures are going to look like for you. That's the Lord's sovereignty over your life. He actually knows better than you do exactly the experiences you need to have in order for you to find rest. Some of you need to let go of your vision of a green pasture and just allow God to lead you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do this in us and through us, that it would be for your name's sake, not for us, not for the vine, for yours, Lord, that your glory would be seen because we become a non-anxious presence in the chaos of this world. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Lead us. May you hear the Holy Spirit say to you today, follow me.